I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's Obi-John Kenobi coming to you with a brand new Nerd Alert. And much like those troublesome blues brothers the whole band is back together this week guys and we're on a mission from god because uh, for the first time in a long time we're not on the road we're we're not a man down we're not filling in with anything this is the full on the whole crew is back we are ready to go so let's get to it let me introduce to you first of all my right hand man uh he keeps the nerd in the top nerdy to me network commander scott so recently, I I've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole uh, last couple of days. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Actually, it's more unusual in the days I don't go down a rabbit hole. I know. So out of character. <laughs> but so my wife came home with some some farm fresh eggs uh, this past week. Okay. And and they were sitting on the stove. And so she asked me if I saw them. And I'm like, oh, I have it. So I went and looked and I went to put them in the refrigerator and I was warned off of putting them in the refrigerator because they don't need to be refrigerated. And and Jay, you may be able to, you, you may know something about this because I knew nothing. Um, but apparently the United States, I don't know if we're the only, but we're the main country in the world that refrigerates commercially viable eggs. If you go to, to, to France, or I think England as well, uh, Japan, uh, I'm sorry, no, uh, U.S., Japan, Australia, and New Zealand, and parts of Scandinavia, Scandinavia, they're in the dairy case next to other refrigerated staples of dairy like uh, milk and cheeses. But uh, France, Britain, uh, most other European and Asian culture countries, if you go into a, a, a grocery store, eggs are on shelves, not refrigerated at all and i'm like what the fuck is this magic yeah exactly and I, so i was looking at this and so one of the things that eggs the one of the problems with eggs that, uh, over the years is that they can be infected with salmonella or food poisoning uh it's a bacteria and they can be infected uh, a number of different ways one of the primary ways that the bacteria can be passed uh is from the the if the hen is infected it can be passed to her eggs as they develop inside her. Uh, the second way is that it can grow on the outside of the shell after an egg is laid if it comes in contact with the feces. 
Okay, which of course, you know, and the uh, chickens and stuff kind of lay eggs and shit kind of all over the place and things roll and stuff can happen. Um, and the countries that I mentioned, the US, Japan, uh, Australia, Scandinavia and everything and the rest of the world, they they developed two different countermeasures to this for public health. So when when it, when it, apparently when an egg uh, is uh, um, um, laid, it, it, it forms a filmy protective outer layer, which is called the cuticle. And this this cuticle is a basically it's a well, it, it's almost like an, an embryonic sac in, in, in humans in, in that it keeps bacteria out of the egg. Uh, but at the same time, it lets oxygen circulate. It's really weird, and I'm still diving into the science of what the fuck the cuticle is. But um, now, the eggs that you get over, you know, in, in, in the other parts, it still has the cuticle in place, protects it from bacterial growth, and it's perfectly fine, not refrigerated, but you have to wash it, you know, before you uh, – crack the egg and eat it because stuff can be on the outside of the cuticle and when you crack it you can transfer it to the inside during the cracking process so you got to wash it and everything however in the u.s around 1970 the u.s had perfected uh and mandated by the usda an egg washing system that was very easy and effective at cleaning off everything the only problem was it also washes off the cuticle which means after it goes through our fda mandated washing process before going to stores they have to be refrigerated from that point on um and they 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 can't and and even if you think you know well but once they're once they're washed and stuff you know and and everything they you know they won't be in contact with hen feces anymore well the problem with that is you know after going through the temperature changes they can they can develop condensation and everything on the inside and then and then they can they can spoil on the inside so it's it, it's bad and once they're washed they have to be refrigerated and this whole thing has blown my mind i did not know this existed and apparently there is still today even though the, the these two disparate forms of protection have been around for almost 50 years there is still a huge debate on which one is the right is the better way to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> that was fascinating, Scott. Riveting. I'm sorry. Well, that's you all slept. we had for this week's. Fo- oh wait, that was that was wait. only okay. Well, I thought that was the whole anyway. You, you fell asleep. I'm sorry. Hang on, let me start again. So Salmonella. Uh, <laughs> Cut his mic. Yeah, I know. I know Salmonella. He uh. He works down at the Italian place down the street. <laughs> Makes great hoagie. Sal Manila, yeah. Just ask him for the ask him for the um, uh, the cannelloni. The cantaloupes? What? Yeah, can cannelloni. Can that that other voice you hear making uh, Sopranos jokes is the man joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via the DeLorean, ladies and gentlemen, the Doc. Uh, you know, I just I just want you to know that uh, one pill makes you larger. Uh-huh. And one pill makes you small. Okay. But the but the ones that mother give you, uh-huh. they they don't do anything at all. Um, and if you don't believe me, you can go ask Alice when she's ten feet tall. Are you quoting Jefferson Airplane? 
Oh my god, I had that song stuck in my head for so long. <laughs> well, we're gonna put it so right long. back in there, so don't worry about it. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So this is the whole crew. We're all here. And what are we talking about today? Well, we're doing a good old-fashioned trailer roundup. Uh, something we used to do back in the, the days of the TV show. It happens, you know, it used to happen a lot more frequently. But we're, we're getting to that age where movies are starting to come out now uh, in theaters. And uh, we're, we're starting to get movies kind of tripping over each other. So it makes sense that we're getting lots of trailers for lots of projects in rapid succession. And sometimes you may have missed one or two because you were focused on something else. So that's okay. We're here to collect them all. So we're going to talk about a handful of trailers that dropped over the past week, week and a half, uh, that we think are really worth diving into and taking a look at. Um, And we're going to start with what I think we have the least bit of knowledge about uh, and try to kind of work our way from there. We'll see how we do. But first up, in the world of video games, yeah, video games, I said it. Scott, we got some confirmation of something we've been talking about for a long, long time. And by talking about, I mean hoping for. Do you want to break the news to our viewers? Um, well, uh, I, I can say I can break the news with one word that will let the, the true fans know what's going on if they haven't seen the trailer, which I had until recently, and that's KOTOR. Which is a acronym. Mm-hmm. Acronym for K K O T O R Knights of the Old Republic. I knew that. I was just making sure you did. I did. Kotor. <laughs> All right, Scott. So for the current age kids who did not grow up on original oh, fuck Xbox uh, or was it PS2, you're maybe PS3. Somebody, you're looking at somebody that played it on computer. <laughs> Yeah, even better. Why should we be excited for Knights of the Old Republic? Because it was the single greatest Star Wars RPG, video game RPG, that has ever been done to date. It was a wonderful bold claim, sir. Beautiful. Uh, you, were a, you were a Jedi or a Sith. It was your choice. You went around trying to figure out who the F you were. You didn't know what was going on. You didn't know your ass from a hole in the ground. You just knew you had a lightsaber and a blaster and people to kill. And you made friends along the way. Or enemies. Hopefully those were the, the, the people to kill. They were, they were dead by the time you got past. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a video game. It was set, you know, I don't even remember the exact time period. I want to say, was it 100 years? Before it's like two thousand years before the original trilogy. Okay, yeah, I don't even remember the time period now, but it, it was a, it was a fuckload. Yeah, and and we've been getting um, we've been getting the rumors now for a couple of years that hey, Knights of the Old Republic is coming back. You know they're they're going to remaster it. They're going to put it back out. People love it. People want it. And well, we finally got a confirmation. Now it's an expensive confirmation. <clears throat> Oh, well, it's PS5 only, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, sadly, a bunch of that because another game that I am psyched for uh, and have been waiting for was announced, and it's also a PS5 only. So I'm gonna have to get my hands on the PS5. But uh, no, the the trailer did not really show much, and if you don't really know anything about Kotor, 
this trailer is probably not going to get too excited. This was more of, I would call it an announcement trailer. This is more like an affirmation. Yep, it's happening. It exists. It's really happening. We're doing it. It's not just a rumor for the third decade in a row. Like, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's real. We're doing it. Um, <coughs> I remember playing the first KOTOR back in college at the recommendation of a uh, friend of the show, Don Bacon. And I hate, and I mean hate, turn-based combat. But I put up with it for KOTOR because the storytelling was immaculate. Storytelling was wonderful, and you could have done the combat real time. That's the way I always did the combat. Yeah, it's not really real time. Yeah, it depends. It's on what not it pause and plan, but it's uh, it's not exactly real time. That, that's true. It's not pause and plan, and 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 I can give the pseudo real time a bit more leeway than I can the pause and plan. I don't like pause and plan. I don't like it either, uh, but uh, it, it, it tried to do this weird thing of, uh, no, it's not turn-based, but, you know, and it's, it's kind of turn-based. I'm stacking my moves and then hoping it's, no, I just, I, I want to push a button, you know, here's my light attack, here's my strong attack, string some combos together, like, that's, that's, give me the fight system from, from uh, Forest Unleashed in a KOTOR setting, good to go. Well, but, now, I'm not going to get that. No, no, you're not. But and and you shouldn't. So I'll get to that. Is good. Well, and you shouldn't because because Knights of the Old Republic, at its core, is a role playing game. It, it's a it's an RPG set in the Star Wars universe, and so you've got your party that you make friends, and your party gets bigger as you go. Um, and you get to, you know, when you when you go on missions, you get to pick which people go with you and you get to to level up everybody and 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 all that good stuff. And the new version, um, because as far as I know, this is I haven't been able to find a lot of details on it, but it, it, as far as I know, it's a complete remake. So it's like a rebuild from the ground up, not just a port of the old code. Uh, all right. So they are going to make I predict we are going to see some changes from the old KOTOR because they're not just going to do a direct port because they, they, they want the fans to, to play it and go, Oh yes, this is Knights of the old Republic, but their goal is to go is for the fans to go. This is Knights of the old Republic, but better. Now, whether they hit that or not, we don't know. Um, but they, they can't give you the force unleashed play experience because they've got to keep that RPG format. They've got to keep the party. Um, the uh, Fallen Order tried to do that because they gave you, what was it, one one person you could recruit? Maybe two, I can't remember, it's been a while since I played through it. But they gave you at least one person you could quote-unquote recruit, but by the time you recruited her, the game was pretty much damn done. You, you never really had anything to do with her. Yeah. You couldn't take her with you. Uh... And when you didn't, you didn't have a party. They just sat on the ship. They didn't. They didn't come out with you, and, and it was boring. It was like I'm like, why? Why do I care about collecting people on my ship? I'll I'll say this. The to me, the lasting uh, ripple effect of Kotor had nothing to do with Star Wars. Even though there are characters introduced in Kotor and Kotor Two that are still very popular among fans, and we're waiting to see potentially make some live action appearances. Uh, the, the the lineage of, of the games is strong within Star Wars. However, for me, the biggest influence and the biggest thing I can say, thank you, KOTOR, for giving me blank, is the Mass Effect series, hmm. which is made by the same people. 
which is okay. We're just going to take all the stuff we learned here and go make our own story. Because uh, it does deliver on great RPG elements and amazing storytelling and great character development, but also delivers me fun, fluid, quick-paced, real-time action. So, suck at KOTOR. Well, and, <laughs> and I'm really hoping that the new KOTOR pulls off of the experience of Mass Effect. <laughs> what? What? I, I hope it pulls off Mass Effect 2. Um, well, I'm asked if that needs a good pull off. I'm, I'm Thanks, Jay. <laughs> so There's bad. something I'm missing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's funnier if you don't get it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll just let that sail right over my head. Well, we uh, will. We will definitely check back again as more uh, details come out. Uh, because again, this was very. This is basically an announcement. Like, yes, this is happening. Uh, it's not just a rumor for the eight millionth time. Well, every every new new gen system that comes out, there's the rumor of oh they're going to bring back Kotor, but like no, it's really going to happen now. So, well, one thing that I'm hoping does happen with this. So, with Star Wars Rebels, yes, he had the ending, or at least the 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 light side ending, the I guess primary ending, if you want to call it that of KOTOR, because KOTOR had two different endings, depending on which way you went. Uh, okay. The, 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 the events of the, the light side ending of Knights of the Old Republic with, with uh, Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels was brought back into canon. That last battle has been canonized. So they can't change that. But I'm hoping that they do a little more in this new version to solidify Knights of the Old Republic as a whole as canon. I don't know what they would do or how they would do it, but I kind of hope to see that. That would be cool. Um, and I, I... This is one of those things where, like I said, the, the KOTOR leaves a, a lasting legacy because it's beloved by fans of Star Wars, and one of those fans is just happens to be Dave Filoni, so he likes to kind of work things in like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting now that I know I don't I don't I don't know if Kotor is still considered canon or not. Well, I mean, I, I, now I don't know about the whole Knights of the Knights of the Old Republic, but right. Well, what I'm saying is, right on, on the Sith homeworld is yes. What I'm saying is, I don't know if the original old school KOTOR is still considered canon, and if it's not, perhaps the new remastered version, if there are changes being made, perhaps that is partially being made to fit it back into canon. Yeah. Because uh, everything made from, since Disney took over, is is officially canon, so would this, if there are changes being made to the story, would those perhaps be in order to make it canon again? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, which, which I hope, I hope that is something that we get is some more, uh, a better, you know, some more solidification of Kotor to the to the new canon, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe even some uh, High Republic references. Like, I wouldn't go that far. I think that they were, the the timelines are still way too far off. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, what I'm saying with that is obviously they're not going to have anything in Kotor that's going to cross over 
plot-wise with High Republic. But now that the High Republic is a thing and we have an aesthetic for the High Republic, we have a look for it, maybe some of that aesthetic gets carried over into but still, the work for KOTOR. KOTOR is like 2,000 years before, where Knights of the Republic is like 200 years before. So you're talking a pretty big difference in age gap there. You do. You do. That's true. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll see anything quite. I mean, granted, it's a video game, so God only knows. Maybe they'll put up DLC in different costume packs. I don't freaking know. I don't know. But <laughs> again, that's that's the big takeaway here. It's happening, and we don't know anything else about it. We don't know. This is just us wildly speculating. So we're going to move on to something we know a little bit more about, uh, sticking in, in uh, Commander Cox's wheelhouse. We're going to jump to the new trailer we got this past week for Picard Season 2. I hate it. Yeah, I knew you would. Yep. And I I, I have a a very, I'm torn. I am torn. Let the hatred flow through you. I'm, I'm torn. This is, is it, not the show anyone wanted. Is it just me, or does it seem like a lot of the Star Trek writers right now are lazy as shit? Yep. There's stuff that I love, and there's stuff that I hate. And this trailer has both in spades. You know? I mean, obviously, we're getting Q. And that cool is... idea. That is beautiful. Let's bring Q back. Let's bring him back full force. Let's get them on screen together. The trial never ended, Picard. Fuck yeah. That's cool. It is. And then we the get... a nice thing I'm going to say about this trailer. And then we get... Everything else. And we get every other, like, just basic sci-fi trope. Something has happened to the timeline and created us a, a dystopian future. We have to fix the future by going didn't, to the past. Didn't we just do that in fucking Disco Season 3? Where they get shoved off in the future and things are just, you know, the Federation's all falling apart. Didn't well, we just do that? Well, no, no, I, I wasn't I wasn't getting a, a, a Discovery illusion. What I was getting was, hey, look, it's the plot of Star Trek Four. Hey, look, yeah. it's the plot of uh, First Contact. Hey, look, it's the plot of about four other different sci-fi things I can name. Uh, you know, and it's the, hey, look, let's put them in our world and have a fish out of water kind of thing. Hey, look, it's the it's the same plot of the 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 Voyager two-parter uh, where they go back in time to modern day. Even even with the whole, hey, let's drive a car thing where Tuvok and Paris have to have to test drive, quote unquote, test drive and steal a truck to get around. Yeah, none of this has been done in Trek before. No. Hot and fresh. So these ideas are... Boy, I'm sure I'm glad we're not violating any kind of rule Roddenberry had about no time travel. Well... <laughs> so when it, when it... I personally, I understand... <laughs> I understand Roddenberry's rule of no, tri- no time travel. Because it did two things. One, it kept people from just going back to the same old, same old. Like what mm-hmm. we're doing now, mm-hmm. and two, uh, it, it forced writers to give us <coughs> without time travel. It forced writers to not be lazy, and that's one thing he always wanted with his writers: is don't be lazy. 
give me story ideas, but think outside of the box. And now he's gone, and a lot of those rules have gone out the window. And I mean, we had time travel in Deep Space Nine, but they got around it by not bringing them fully to the present. They they took mm-hmm. them to to near future. Uh, they were in the, Same the first contact. It was their past, but still our future. Yes, yes, exactly. Same with first contact. It wasn't. It was they went back in time to change the future, but it wasn't fish out of water because they. It wasn't modern time. Uh, Voyager did it with the the two parter. Uh, I can't remember the name of right now. Um, where we get to see, you know, the 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 first time we get to see 29th century Starfleet and the time ship. Uh, it's Equinox. Um, but it, it, if not, I apologize. I've I've, I've had bourbon. Um, but uh, and I'm. Um, I'm even a huge fan of Enterprise. Enterprise is my favorite show of Trek, and they have a whole freaking temporal cold war. And you know what? I don't care about it. I, I don't. Those my favorite episodes have nothing to do with the temporal cold war because time travel in Star Trek is stupid. Everybody's favorite episodes have nothing to do with with, with the temporal cold war. Yeah. So, no. Uh, look, I was uh, I was interested in Picard. And the first few episodes of the series of season one, I, I thought were good. And then it went downhill fast. Uh, yeah, they made some weird choices in, in the first season of Picard. I I, I watched just because, okay, well, I, I committed, let's finish it. But by the time we were done with season one, like, I don't care. Uh, I thought the ending was stupid. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Uh, but it was one of those, we're going to make a big decision and we're going to commit to it. No, we're not. No, it felt like the writers, in, in, in my opinion, for Picard season one, it felt like the writers wrote that awesome ending. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it felt like they wrote two endings mm-hmm. that hinged on whether or not Patrick Stewart wanted to, was going to commit to season two. Yeah, we're going to write a big, bold ending and then we're going to. Uh, we're gonna backtrack on that, and then uh, we're oh. just gonna do both. Oh, Patrick Stewart signed. Okay, add in the extra pages, everybody. All right, extra yeah. pages. Everybody got the orange pages. Orange pages all around. Okay, cool. You know, uh, so, so yeah, that's what that felt like to me. Um, the one thing that killed me was that Picard season one kept interjecting all these great storylines that they didn't pan out to anything yeah um because we we have this this big so we we keep teasing about this 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 prophesied weird romulan witches thing uh that's just outside the edge of of our universe and that felt that feels like it ties in to what happened in voyager i'm sorry voyager um discovery season two like they were going to play off of each other and eventually discovery and Picard and strange new worlds and stuff are all going to kind of cross over because that's kind of a thing. Now everybody wants this, this to happen. And I think that's still going to happen, but we, we had this storyline that they hinted that the only Romulan vessel to ever be assimilated by the Borg was they let themselves get assimilated because they were Tal Shiar on a mission 
to isolate and take out a cube from the collective, which is the cube that we see in Picard season one. But that was just hinted at. We never get a confirmation of it because that little plot thread never goes anywhere. And oh, then, I'm talking about bigger stuff like, no, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I know. But, and then we get Hugh who is unceremoniously killed. You bring this character back and unceremoniously kill him. And then you have the cube being flown to this, the, 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 the Android planet. I'm sorry. I'm doing spoilers. If y'all haven't seen it by now, get on the damn ball. Um, to, to, to the Android planet, um, with, uh, uh, you know, seven of nine and stuff. And then it just crash lands on the planet with no real fanfares. Like, oh, hey, it crashed. That was a cool little well, visual, but that's it. Hold on. Hold on. Don't gloss over that seven of nine Jackson and becomes the new board queen. Yeah. That would have been an entire season's worth of plot development. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of cool ideas in the whole thing with data and, and, and having progeny. And it, it, yeah. there's in there, there's a really interesting story about artificial intelligence and all that. Yeah. And there's a hook for Picard to be there. But then we tack on all those other stupid shit that no one cares about, like the not Wolverine sp- starship pilot guy and the c- love conflicted science doctor lady and the weird uh, uh, Vulcan uh, sword fighter guy who I still don't know what we're supposed to care about other than we needed some action so we put a sword fighting guy in there uh, I and literally I can't tell you their names because that's how little I care <laughs> about them because that's how little the, the show made me care about them well so the Romulan sword fighting guy mm-hmm. who is the only male in a matriarchal I'm sorry not matriarchal that's the, 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 the wrong word um, uh, not matriarch uh, distaff uh, in in a in, in a a secret Romulan distaff, um, um, is a cool character and it does need to be explored. I'm okay with him not getting more explanation in Picard season one because if they keep him going, they could. They're not going to, but they could explore him in, in more seasons. But, um, yeah. So seven of nine. So the in my opinion, the second season of Picard, while I love Q. We do see in the trailer, because we're going to get back to the trailer here, we do see bringing the the Borg Queen, I guess, out of stasis or something and plugging her back up as part of the time travel because they're... I thought we blew her up at the end of First Contact. Well, but see, that's the thing. The Borg Queen doesn't exist as a specific entity. Her body can be generated on any... Uh, on any, any... Don't, don't <laughs> snore. No, 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 no. Sorry, you can't sorry. Open a can of worms and then jump out. No. Sure, we can. No, surprise. You can't. No. So anyway, um, and that's one thing I hated about Voyager's version of the Borg Queen is the Borg Queen in First Contact is a beautiful character, not because it's an individual inside the collective, but it's the collective trying to identify with a first-person perspective. It's, okay. it, it, it's the collective itself personified. Okay. And, and that's what she is. But then Voyager fucks her up. Um, so the Queen... Well, what I'm told, be, Voyager fucks pretty much everything up. So Not everything. Voyager has some really good episodes, and I will defend it. But um, <laughs> there are some bad stuff. The Borg... I mean, Scott says that about every track, so... Well, it's because there's good and bad in everything. But um, but we, we had the Borg Queen being, you know, woken up and jacked back in, uh, presumably because they're going to use the chronoton particles that were the, that was used to, to create the temporal rift 
uh, in in First Contact. They're trying to access that technology to go back in time in Picard Season 2. But, and as much as I love Q coming back, uh, they should have gotten rid of the time travel. We should have explored... We should have had seven the consequences of seven of nine jacking in and becoming the new Borg queen for a minute uh, in that little thing. And the, the 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 whole whatever part they're bringing the Borg queen. We should have had a seven of nine Borg queen storyline coming back in, in, in Picard season two. And here's, that's it. No time travel. Here's my question, Scott. OK, so we're bringing Q back in. Right. And Q is this this interdimensional thing who can just snap his fingers and make whatever he wants happen. Right. He's 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 the Mr. Mixel mix mix Mr. Mixes Pitlick, that guy of the Star Trek universe. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, so why the fuck do we need some convoluted story about dra- waking up the Borg Queen and using the the whatever machine from the to go? He's Q. Just have him send Picard back in time to fuck with Picard. That's what Q does. Why are we coming up with convoluted? First of all, why are we going back in time at all? But second of all, if we're going to do a time travel thing, we already have Q. Why do we need any other convoluted method of time travel? You have Q. It's well, really budget friendly. Q just goes, well, oh yeah? And you're back well, in time. Well, and, and also, this is, that would be, so it's just a rehash also of the, the next generation series finale where picard keeps time shifting between three different time periods the the first season of next gen the seventh season of next gen and presumably i think it's seven years in the future you know past next gen or however many years it is in the future so he's past present and future and you come to find out at the end of it it's q that's time shifting him so they've already done that yeah uh, no, I, I don't see, I was curious on season one to see, okay, well, they're, they're bringing Picard back. They're bringing back the, like, the biggest name you could for Trek to give him his own series. And this will be really interesting to see what they do. And, you know, they found a way to bring Brent Spiner back in. And was, you know, there were enough threads there that I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'll, I'll see where they're going. By the time we get to the end of season one, I'm like, this is stupid. This is just fucking stupid. This is gutless uh stupid writing it's dumb and and anytime they have a, they make anytime they make a ballsy decision they backtrack on it right away it's it's just it's lazy it's bad i don't care so trailer for season two all right i know they're bringing q back picard and q playing off each other that's always some of the best next generation you're gonna get cool what do you got for me and as soon as they buy the time share i'm like Fuck, i'm done Scott can tell me about this on a car trip somewhere. I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Jay, go ahead. I have something to add. John, I was going to say this earlier. I can't name any characters from Picard season one either. That's fair. You can name one. Picard. Hey. Yeah, there you go. His name's in the title. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that one for I've, free. Watched I've watched it twice. And other than Picard and, 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 and Data, I can't name any characters from Picard. Yeah, other than other than characters we've already met in other shows. None of the original characters for Picard are the least bit memorable. No. Now, that being said, the, the, the gentleman who owns the ship that they're on, who is Space Wolverine. Space Wolverine. I have to give him props. Even though I don't remember his name or the name of any of the other characters he plays, the fact that he plays a crap the entire crew of that ship in hologram form 
and they all have different personalities. I, I got to hand it to that actor. I loved him in that series. He was good. Uh, yeah, he, he was, was good. The yeah. character was dumb, but he was good. He, he, you know, good acting. Yeah. Um, um, so when it comes to Star Trek, I mean, mm-hmm. part of season two coming out, I'll watch it. Um, Discovery season four coming out. I will watch it. Um, and I'll probably watch Picard season two again before or season one again before season two comes out just to refresh myself. Um, but I, uh, when it comes to new Trek, so discovery season two is wonderful. I highly recommend everybody watch it. Discovery season one is good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's got some stuff I don't care for, but that's just nitpicking me. Watch it. Season three is eh, but I am really also digging uh, season two of uh, Lower Decks. Uh, I I watched the first season of Lower Decks and like the first few episodes, I was like, okay, this is this is odd. This is okay. And then we get to the end of season one. I'm like, oh, wow, they've actually pulled me into this story. This is actually really good. And then season two has hit the ground running. And it's it's I'm looking forward to new episodes of Lower Decks. Sorry, the the best new track you can get is still the Orville. So, I used to be of that opinion. Now I disagree. Because of season two of Orville and the long, long, long hiatus that we've had. That's fair. I would still rather rewatch season one and or two of Orville than rewatch any of the shit I've seen from this new crap of Star Trek stuff. Because I, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, and, and, and I understand, and, and I get that, um, but... The only good thing you've given me is Anson Mount as... Uh, uh, I just hope they don't fuck that up with Strange New Worlds. Yeah, that's the... They, just, they, they stick with the formula of, uh, that they were using on Season 2 of Discovery, and they give us really good... Yep. Give me Pike on the Enterprise, and I'll watch it. Till then, I don't care. Yeah. Now, that being said, I know you haven't watched all of the short treks, um, but between Discovery Season 2 and Season 3, all of the short treks, you need to watch some of those because they were uh, Strange New Worlds tie-ins and okay. stuff. And because they didn't want to reveal what happened with well, Discovery. Well, in that case, I'll give them But, well, yeah. Um, but there's one, there, there's, there's two big ones in that one. There's one that just killed me. And it's called, I think it's Question, I think is what it is, or something. And it's 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 a short about the day that Spock comes aboard the Enterprise. Uh-huh. And uh, Una, the first officer, uh, affectionately known as number one, the first number one in Star Trek history, um, meets him at the, the, the transporter. He beams on board, and they're talking, and they go to the turbo lift. Well, they get stuck in the turbo lift, right? As, as the C-130 takes off outside of the docks uh, studio. Active runway. You know. Active runway, yeah. Um, so they get stuck in a turbo lift. And so in order to pass the time while engineering can get them unstuck, she starts asking him questions and they have debates and that's the crux of the episode, right? That they're waiting to get unstuck from a turbo lift. Mm-hmm. And the entire time I was watching this short, it's only like 15 minutes, I'm like, why don't they just beam them out? Uh, have they forgotten they have transporter technology? Then the short 
couldn't happen. Exactly. Um, now, personally, I like to think my head cannon in order to fix it um, is that uh, the the transport the not the transporter but the uh, um, turbo lift the turbo lift malfunction was on purpose that that number one uses it as a way to informally interview all new officers as they come aboard. Um, but they could have easily fixed that gaping plot hole by just having her say, well, beam us out. Oh, we can't. There's a problem with the transporters. But they didn't do that. They won't be installed until Tuesday. They won't be installed until Tuesday. Exactly. Um, so that was a good one. And then there's one where the actor that does the voice of, uh, Archer and Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a primary character, and he's the scientist that creates the tribbles. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it, it uh, actually was really dark really quickly. So, so Scott, yeah. I, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but you remember when you said it was the first number one in Star Trek history? Yes. Actually, I think the first number one in Star Trek history was when uh, Zephram Cochran went into warp for the first time. <laughs> Get it? Cause he, cause he peed his pants. No, all right. But, but, but that happened um, <laughs> many years after the the original pilot. I, I'm sorry. I was making a joke, Scott. Yes, Damn, I'm proud of you for that joke. But, but see, <laughs> I, I usually choose my words very carefully, which is why I said Star Trek history and not Starfleet history. Because I was speaking production-wise and not in canon. Well, you know, it's a funny joke anyway, so... <laughs> Good job, Dan. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right, so there is our basic... I don't think anyone's super excited for Picard Season 2. Jay still hasn't watched Picard Season 1. Uh, and Scott will watch anything that has Star Trek in the title. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Nope. All right. Not at all. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there we are with the left, right, and center of Picard season two. Let's move on to something we can all sink our teeth into. Jay, you take the red, the blue pill. You wake up and believe whatever you want to believe. Or take the red pill, stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I cannot tell you how excited I was to see that trailer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, after long, long, long speculation, uh, the whole movie was shot up in, I think, Canada. Uh, th this is one of those things where they kept saying, oh, no, it's going to be out in December. It's going to be out in December. It's going to be out in December. And I'm like, we haven't seen jack shit from this movie. This ain't coming out in December. And then, boom. Uh, Warner Brothers just unzipped and flopped out this giant ass trailer for Matrix Resurrection. Jay, how blown was your mind? As uh, totally blown. But before we even get into the trailer, I gotta okay. I gotta bring okay. up. Back so up. there was a teaser, right? And you could click the blue pill, or you could click the red pill. Yeah, And you've got two different teaser trailers. And what's crazy is it actually took the time. I watched it on my phone. And it took the time off my phone. And it's like, you really think it's 6.14 a.m.? And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so it's just like, it did an awesome job of really sucking me into the Matrix. Like, 
Man, Dude, I, I can't. I can't so tell good. you how nostalgic it was for me to sit down and type in what is the matrix.com. Not since like 1998, 99 have I jumped to that website. Great. Uh, but I love that they, <laughs> that Warner Brothers refreshed the old, uh, uh, not IP, um, the, the old website, yeah. web address. There we go uh, for that. So, but yeah, um, no, dude, look. The Matrix, the original uh, sequels, we'll get into later, I'm sure. But the original Matrix from 99, it's one of those films that love it or hate it or indifferent about it. The world is forever marked into two periods. This is this was movies before The Matrix. This was movies after The Matrix. And I don't just mean like, oh, yeah, now everyone knows bullet time and everyone parodies it. No, I mean like the way that movie changed how films are made. Uh, who it made box office stars, the way it, 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 it marked, this is the death knell and the coffin of, of eighties and nineties action movies. Uh, you know, no longer is that like, you know, Stallone Schwarzenegger, one man army blowing shit up. Kind of like, that's not, we now expect more out of action movies and you can, you can hate on the Wachowskis all you want for, for just ripping off anime and manga and, and stuff like that and, and mixing it all together. But hey, guess what? Lucas did the same fucking thing back in the 70s with Star Wars. He, he ripped off Westerns and, and Flash Gordon serials and Akira Kurosawa movies and blended them all together and boom, Star Wars. And, and for our generation, Jay, The Matrix is our Star Wars, man. Um, fuck those prequels. The Matrix is Star Wars for us. It, it was the ground, the, the watershed moment of boom. This is before and after this thing came out. And I am so hyped to go back into that world. Yeah. And I like it does it like the trailer did a good job for me of like invoking those feelings of seeing the trailer for the Matrix like the first time. And like wondering what the hell's going on. But then like no it can be it, told what the Matrix is. You must see it for yourself. Good line, guys. Yeah, yeah it plays really well in a trailer. And it just Sorry. like it re it, it like it not only like is nostalgic, but it like refreshes it and is like, hey, there's some new stuff. Cause you're like, whoa, what's going on? And you're just trying to figure this out because it's like, you know that's Neo, you know that's Trinity. They're shaking hands like they don't know each other. What the hell just happened? It does a great job. Go ahead, Scott. I was gonna say that's because they haven't seen the movies. <laughs> oh. oh right 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 yeah. yeah yeah they don't have hbo max yet so they haven't seen them all yeah um <laughs> no you're right dude one of the things i loved about this trailer and it's one of those where like i can keep going back and watching it over and over and over again and spotting something i didn't see the first time and i hope the whole movie is this way because like the the matrix again personal stuff the, the matrix is the first movie i read ever read a book about and i don't mean like a book about how like you know the making of the matrix which i read that too but but like there were entire books written about the philosophy of the matrix and the things the matrix brings up and talks about like it was a it was the kind of movie you could write a dissertation with because the movie is packed with imagery and allusions to other literary works and philosophy and it, it's it's cram full and this trailer anyway i hope it's indicative of how the whole movie is but this trailer is cram full of some of those same iconography and images right away jay you quoted it at the top of the show uh the the song playing in the background is literally white rabbit 
from Jefferson Starship. I think it's a remix version of it, but it's it's White Rabbit. And if I have to explain to you the significance of the White Rabbit in Matrix, then go watch the Matrix again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a scene where they literally walk through a looking glass. Guys, I can't make it any more in your face than that. Yeah. They open a door, they walk through, they come out the other side, and they step out of a mirror. Do you get it? <laughs> no. I need you to explain it okay. to me a little okay. more. Then there's literally a shot of someone holding the book, Alice in Wonderland. Do you get it now? <laughs> but I don't see the Easter bunny. There, There is a bunny. <laughs> there's a bunny on her shoulder. It's a tattoo. They're looking for her. So it's an Easter It's movie. an Easter bunny. It's an Easter egg joke. It's all an elaborate. Yes, clearly. Being released at Christmas, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, there's there's obvious stuff. Like, you know, the medication he's taking are the blue pills. Yes. Uh, and, and even, like, Neil Patrick Harris, who's playing his psychologist, is dressed with blue glasses with the blues thing. You know, that, that, that are automatically, the whole color palette thing hits you back. You know, I, Matrix was the first movie I ever remember noticing different colors on the screen indicate different things. You know, well, if, if if things have that weird green tone, it's because we're in the Matrix. If it's yeah. got that blue tone, it's because we're in the real world. Like, that's the first time that ever, you know, clicked in my head. Yeah. So, real quick, since yes. we're on the subject of Neil Patrick Harris and being his psychologist or therapist or whatever, uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. Am I the only one that is a little, that, that keeps keying on the fact that, that Neil Patrick Harris does not refer to him as Mr. Anderson? They use a different name for him. He calls him Thomas, doesn't he? Yeah, Thomas. He calls him Thomas. Was that his, was, was that his first name? That was name? his first name, Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, for some odd reason, I, I was I was thinking that they had switched his last name and he was calling him Mr. Thomas. No. Thomas okay. Anderson. Okay. I, mean, I don't know for a fact they haven't done that, Scott, but I, I thought they were just using his first name. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's just me. Uh, okay. Uh, but we also get the the black cat, uh, which I kept waiting to see shudder, like, you know, deja vu, which letting us know the Matrix changed something. But I don't think it did in that trailer anyway. Um, uh, and then when I cut it off right before it did, I don't know. And and one thing about the the cat, I didn't actually yeah. notice it the first time that I watched the trailer. And then I was like, oh, shit, there's a cat in that office. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was in the office, but it was like in the trailer. It's implied to be in the office anyway. Yeah, the way that's cut. Yeah. Personally, I don't think that the the therapist and everything is inside the matrix. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Trust me, we're coming to that. We have some. I have some some big ideas. Um, But just uh, hold on. I had a list. Um, We get a shot of what looks like to be the Oracle, maybe. Yeah, she right? she has a very oracle aesthetic to her. Hold on, uh, I've got a bunch of keyframes pulled up uh, before all the crazy action stuff starts because we we knew that was going to happen. Um, we get a scene of what looks like Trinity still jacked into the Matrix. Um, it's very quick. These are free frames. We see. Um, oh, let's talk. Let's, let's jump into this. Um, new Morpheus, Morpheus Junior. So, Morpheus reincarnated? I think it is Morpheus. He's just been completely recast. And he looks yeah. it, it is Morpheus. I looked on IMDB. He's listed as Morpheus. And there was speculation <coughs> as to the recasting, as in like, you know, he was recast because maybe this is like 
like it's called Resurrections. So maybe something happened to Morpheus and he's been resurrected. Like, well, I'm gonna go down new. a big rabbit hole here because uh, yeah. I did my homework on this. So there's a, there was anyway, uh, an MMORPG based on the Matrix, The Matrix Online, that continued the story of the Matrix post the films, and in that version, Morpheus did die. Now I would not normally point to a defunct MMORPG as being canon when you're rebooting a franchise. Because let's face it, this you can call it whatever you want. This is essentially a reboot quill. Uh, like, like we talked about with you know the Candyman uh, most recently or Halloween where it's, yeah, it's technically a sequel to the first three Matrix movies, but for all intents and purposes, this is kind of a reboot of the franchise. Um, um the only reason I, I bring that up is because I know the Wachowskis were involved in the story to a certain point of the MMORPG um, of Matrix Online. So I don't know if it, even if, it, if it's something as subtle as that was headcanon to I believe it was Lana Wachowski who wrote this film um, that it was in the back of her mind when she was writing the film. Uh, and, and so she considered it canon. So that's why I don't know. Uh, but it, it's it's. Um, and yes, it's it's clearly a different actor. That's uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who you might recognize from Aquaman or the aforementioned Candyman reboot. Cool. Uh, he's 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 doing good. He's yeah, pretty, got a good track record on reboot. Cool so far. Keep it going. Um, but is so yeah. Is that are we seeing their their source codes reinserted into the Matrix? Is this you know, we, we find out from the architect in Matrix Reloaded that the whole journey Neo is going on isn't anything new. It's already happened six previous times. Is and this just is it sort of like like Ragnarok in Norse mythology where it's it's a cycle of death and rebirth? The gods die gloriously and then are reborn and live and die and are reborn again. Is this just the next iteration of the one? I, and I would just like to interject that in all of that blabbering that the architect does, that's the only <laughs> thing I understood. That is some great <laughs> that, A blabbering too, man. That this is this this has happened before, and it's like, oh, I get that part. What the hell is he talking about the rest of the time? There, and, he is. He is pulling out every word pack word he ever learned, man. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like being at professional development at a TED talk for teaching. <laughs> And they well, just, just trigger words. Just all it is is trigger let's words. Let's talk about words we learned for the first time while looking at what the fuck did that guy just say? Concordantly. A word I'd never heard before that movie. Wow. Concordantly. <laughs> Do I sound smart if I keep saying it? Sorry. I know, Scott, you're let down by us. I am. I am a little. A little. Actually, I'm not let down by you. I'm let down by the U.S. educational system. <laughs> and I'm an honors English student because as, as you should be. <laughs> well, because when I, when, when I saw I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tad older than, than you two. Um, and when I saw matrix in matrix reloaded in theaters and stuff, I, I, I honestly, I had no problems following what you said. In fact, I really enjoyed what he said. It, 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 it was probably one of my favorite parts of the, the, the original trilogy. Was, was the, the part with and the reason I did the reason I loved it 
this is this is the nerd in me. This is this is the the the, the nerd in Commander Scott. Uh, I love you so much, Scott. I, he's going to defend the architect scene. I, I love this. Let's do so, this. So the, the the architect scene, literally, when I when I saw it and I was going through what he was saying and everything, and I'm like, oh, so the quote unquote prophet because I hate prophecies as a plot tool in movies and books and everything because they're Fair usually enough. they're usually done very piss poor and yep. i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to uh, allude to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force in star wars because that was handled on screen very badly why now, stop there the prophecy of the chosen one harry potter yes exactly they're they're, they're all handled badly however this one is one of the few that I hold up is handled well, not beautifully, but well. Okay. Because the prophecy of the one in the Matrix was created by the machines because they knew that there was going to be an error in the code. Literally, all this is is error handling. This is the people or the machines who wrote the code writing in error handling. If this happens, go to this line. Do this, and then we'll get back to normal. Literally, it's a fucking subroutine. No, no, Scott. We've got people who will wake up, and they will figure out what's going on. Oh, shit. They're going to want to rebel. All right, well, let's fucking give them a rebellion. It's a damn subplot. It's a side quest. Go for it. Go, go, go off. Play. Rebel. Be happy. I don't, I don't think anybody was upset with... with the ideas presented in that scene. I think our problem was more the fact that we have this giant, huge, uh, three different crews from three different ships pulling off three different impossible jobs to get us to this hallway, to get them into that room. And then what happens is we just halt fucking hardcore for the biggest exposition dump in the history of exposition dumps. And it was from, and it, from it Colonel Sanders of all people. Vis-a-vis, <laughs> <laughs> concordantly, ergo, ergo, proctor. Hey, yeah. it's not my fault that you all don't know basic Latin shit. That's, <laughs> Again. That's, that's the title of our episode, Basic Latin Shit. Basic Latin Shit. Uh I don't have any issue with the idea of the one being the anomaly and being the remainder of an unbalanced equation. I get all that. I got that. Cool. It's the way they presented it. That's like, wow, you guys really ground this to a halt. Uh, you could have done that. Let me literally you stopped a fight scene so we could stand in a room and be talked at for yep. whatever that goes. 12 minutes. And I loved every minute of it. And that's why we had you on this show, Scott. Because literally, we, I mean, I mean, literally, you've, you've got you've got all these people fighting to get Neo to see to the to this area, which is outside of the normal Matrix environment. It's completely outside of everything. What are you expecting? It's 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 a it's it's a quote unquote heaven uh, not analogy, but um, what's the uh, the <laughs> I'm blanking now on the term. Um, because it's all white and it's pure and it's quiet and it's still. No, it's not. It's a bunch of video screens. Yes, but it's still. But it's still. If you look at the tone, 
There, there's not a lot of noise. It was very quiet. It was very still because there's no action. Yeah, it's just like the loading program. Exactly. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Okay. Yeah. I love it. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna, there's I'm, one. After we get done with this this podcast tonight, I'm going to go load up that scene. I'm just going to watch that scene. We'll All righty. Just, uh, just that you do you, Scott. <laughs> that, that does, before we get off the architect completely, uh, I do think at the end of the trailer, and this is the one gripe I have with the trailer, um, and, and it's not even what you think. We do see what I believe is the new incarnation of the architect. At least I think that that's what they're kind of leaning towards anyway. They, what they want us to think, where he does the he has the, his line to Neo, "Wow, after all this time, back to where it all started, back to the Matrix." Yes, you would have cut out that last part and just left it with "back to where it all started." Cut to title. Cool. You had to hang your hat on that, didn't you, Warner Brothers? You had to make sure everyone in the audience was sure what you. We thought maybe this was another Bill and Ted movie until you guys said <laughs> The Matrix. And now we are. Oh, this isn't John Wick 4. Okay. Thank you, Warner Brothers. We were confused. Well, he he does look like John Wick 4. Well, actually, up to that point, I thought it was a sequel to Point Break. But I don't know. <laughs> uh,. Also, I, I looked up the IMDb. Uh, apparently, the Merovingian is back. Oh, yeah. So is Niobe. Um, <clears throat> I'm really excited about the Merovingian. He was almost as exciting to listen to talk as the architect. <clears throat> the, the best part is when he curses in French because, like, the <laughs> translation of it, like, the little, literal translation of it is hilarious. He is actually cursing in French. Yes, uh, but but the, the rest reason. Gotcha. I was just gonna say the rest of the Merovingian. Yeah. yeah anytime you have a character whose sole purpose is to sit there and talk at me, I'm done with you, Matrix. Um, the first movie aside, because I'll listen to Lawrence Fishburne and read the phone book. Uh, but the reason I brought up that last scene in, in the Architect in, in that particular line is to give you I, I what I think might may be happening. I think it's a combination of the things we've, we've talked about before where it is to a degree, the one prophecy playing itself out again uh, with, with uh, the source code of Neo, the one reincarnated. And, and I think the machines are, are trying to manipulate things, which is why we have the Morpheus stand in character and we have Trinity coming back. I think it's them trying to, to, to derail him a bit to be more controlling of them. I don't think it's, it's full on Trinity. Uh, and, and I think what they're referring to in that scene, and I could be way off center on this. We'll find out in December, but the whole thing of back to the matrix is I think at some point we're going to find out the, the, the computer simulation we're in, in this film is not the matrix we knew in the past film that is shut down. That's offline. The servers are done. We're on a whole new mainframe now. I think at some point our Neo is going to have to go back to that old server, to the Matrix, as it was in 99 that we're familiar with for some reason. I think maybe <laughs> that's what we're getting into. Is okay. Otherwise, it's just a really fucking stupid line of dialogue. Sorry. And, and I'm okay with that as long as we can have the modem booting up noise. 
of like. Yes. All, right. All, right. I, all I know is if this movie gets me more Matrix code screensavers like it did the last time, I'm all for it. My screensaver hasn't changed since like 2000. It's it's the, the it, it, it literally it says my name too. It's special. The Matrix has you, John. Knock knock, and then the, the Matrix code. I have not changed my screen. Every computer I've had since then, same screensaver. As long as this new Matrix movie has a 12-minute-long scene of nothing but exposition by a guy who <laughs> vaguely looks like a fast-food celebrity, Scott's going to go see it. No, no, With no, some no, kind no. of accent. No, no, big no, word. no, no. Because now that I've gotten Jonathan Groff, you know, King George III himself. Oh, uh, you I'm singing it. it uh, that, that, I wouldn't say no. You'll be no back. But, <laughs> but now that I've got Jonathan Groff you know, and and you know us talking about it. And if he's not the architect, and we get mm. fifteen minutes of exposition from Jonathan Groff, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. I want a half an hour of Jonathan Groff exposition. You know what? I'll, I will a movie. I'll settle for a two and a half minute musical number. I want uh, I want an entire movie of just Jonathan Groff. Exposition. Just the it, it's him singing the exact song for, uh, as as uh, the character from Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, but we changed the words about Neo coming back to the Matrix instead of uh, the United States coming back to Great Britain. I will I will work on those lyrics. It'll send a fully armed sentinel to remind you of, of your love. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I, I will I will send a bunch of uh, agents. Yeah, I'll work on Thanks, Scott. Now I have Hamilton in my head again. Uh, I will say... It, uh, there's one thing that I was really glad I didn't see in the trailer, and I don't think he'll be in it, and that was Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Because well, I don't know how I don't I don't know how I feel about that man. Because well, like, and we we talked about this in past episodes, but like, Agent Smith in The Matrix, one of the greatest villains of all time. Agent Smith in the sequels, yeah. Right. So that's yeah. what I'm saying is like if. If it's Agent Smith from the sequels, I'm going to check right on out. But if it's Agent Smith from the first one, hells yeah. Well, you know, so I don't think we're going to get Agent Smith as a primary villain. However, uh, uh, John, your your theory that um, the Matrix that we're seeing in this is not the original Matrix. It's it's a new version. I like that. And I see that because, like I said, I, I don't think. Uh, the scenes with Neil Patrick Harris is the original Matrix, um, mm-hmm. but that he has to go back into that old code to fix whatever's going on. When he goes back into the original Matrix, if we're going to get an Agent Smith cameo, that's where it's going to be. Yeah. And, and if it was if they were planning that, he would not be on IMDb. Yeah. Correct. No, I get that. I will yeah. say, as far as agents go, we do have one returning agent. Um, you probably don't remember him because he's from the sequels, but the actor Daniel Bernhardt, who is also one of the stunt uh, choreographers, is reprising his role <clears throat> from Matrix Reloaded uh, as Agent Johnson. So there's at least one returning agent. He was he was the if you remember at the beginning of Reloaded when he gets into the, the fight with the the uh, the agents and says, "Oh, upgrades." That's the agent he was fighting. Ah. The upgraded agent. 
All I know is that I just now figured out that all of the Matrix stuff, including Animatrix, is on HBO Max, and I'm going to watch it tomorrow. What a coincidence. Because this movie will also be available day and date on HBO Max. On December, whatever it is. Yep, I will be watching it on HBO Max that day. I will go to see it in theater. I'm not paying extra money to see something I can already see. Fair enough. Uh, anything, I mean, I, I'm sure it's plenty, but any, anything else uh, got you excited, Jay? Anything else you, you Anything else you were hoping you would see but didn't see? Not um, a lot of black leather in this outfit. I don't know. No, I like I liked the visuals that they were using in this, kind of like, almost like visualizing using the force. You know what I mean? Okay. Where, okay. Like, he kind of, like... I like the idea that you can visually see him manipulating. Yeah, like you can actually see him visually yeah. manipulate. Like, because he's in a pu- computer program. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, he's actively rewriting the code. So you should be able to see that. You know what I mean? You should yeah. see that change. And that's one thing that I enjoy. And like in the 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 Matrix and in the sequels, you never really saw that. I mean, you got that idea, but like, I kind of okay. like, I like that they're visualizing it now. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. You know, I'm upset we didn't have a giant, a big bullet time scene. Look, there's plenty, there's going to be plenty <laughs> of bullet time. There's the, the scene with like new Morpheus and I don't know the, the other person running down the hallway where he's like doing loops around the hallway. I was wow. like, that's, that's pretty cool. I just want to see all of these action set pieces. The um, I hope when we get a dojo fight uh, as epic as the one in the first movie. Yeah, that would be uh, great. I know kung fu. Show me. Um, uh, I mean, Morpheus you know, is fighting Neo. Ah, love that movie. I know I'm not. I know I'm not on the same level of Scott of you know enjoying the Matrix movies for its great exposition dumps. Um, <laughs> But you know, me being me, I'm I'm excited for these action set pieces to see what they're gonna do. Like him and, launching that missile into the helicopter got me so amped. I'm like, I want all of this more. Well, what made the first Matrix so great is the way it balanced exposition with action. We get huge dumps of exposition from Morpheus, but we get it while they're fighting in a dojo or jumping off a building. Or you know, something visually interesting is happening while we're getting this info dump. So it doesn't feel as tedious as sitting there being talked at by somebody at a table, whether it's the Merovingian or the architect or whoever. Uh, and, and that's one of my big letdowns of, of the sequels is like the first movie. Yes, there is plenty of exposition dumping in the first movie, but it does it in a way that the, the movie still feels like we're moving forward and we're still it's still visually interesting. The second movie, they just kind of thought they got to a point and then this happens and that happened, and then uh, uh, exposition dump here, and then some other action scene, and then another exposition dump here, and credits. But that's just... Well, Jay, my my love of, you know, um, non-action-oriented exposition is something you can strive towards, and I will help coach you along this journey. Uh, Just saying. Scott, don't get me wrong. I'm as big of a fan of a dump as anybody. hey <laughs> That makes him number two. Oh. 
Oh. Come on back, Joe. So, Who does number two work for? Make it so. So that's all we needed to make this week of trailers like penultimate was a new new Austin Powers trailer. Mm, uh, do we need new Austin Powers? We movie? do need a new Austin Powers. Okay. Uh, however, uh, when it comes to this trailer, as far as things that I saw in this trailer that, that yeah. really intrigued me, um, there is one shot, and it's a wide shot, of one of the the vessels. I don't know if it's the Nebuchadnezzar or not, but it's one of those vessels. Okay. And that intrigues the shit out of me, because I want to know, are we going to see the Nebuchadnezzar? Do they bring it out of mothballs? Did What's it get going destroyed on? at the end of Revelations? Revolution. It's been a long time since I've seen them, so I might have to go back and rewatch them. I don't know. They they crashed it through the gate. Yeah, in Zion. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was largely still intact. So that that's my question: Is the ship that we see the Nebuchadnezzar? I guess we'll find out in December. Or was it was it the Nebuchadnezzar? Or was it um, what's your name? I don't remember. Well, I will watch them all again this week. Okay, I'll bring one over to Danny's house tomorrow. Um, that being said, let's move He's on. He's gonna be so confused. <laughs> Sorry, uh, he's got to stay awake Sorry. long enough to be confused. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, let's jump into the final trailer for this week's show. Um, the one I was most looking forward to because I can't wait for this series and I was excited for it even before we got this trailer. Of all the Marvel Disney Plus shows that had been announced for this year, your What Ifs, your WandaVisions, your Falcon and Winter Soldiers, your Lokis, whatever, the one that jumped out to me was like, oh, I can't wait for that, was Hawkeye. I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, It sounds like I am, but I swear to God I'm not. Uh, To me, the thing I love, the idea of the whole Disney Plus streaming show for Marvel stuff is... This is a perfect opportunity for us to flesh out underserviced characters from the movies and really make them feel like they're not just background characters, but they're part of the universe. And that's, you know, Scott and I talked about Falcon Winter Soldier a bit. Um, Scott, I still love your text. I hate this show. Why? They're going to make me care about Falcon and Bucky, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> Damn it. I hate Falcon. Why do they got to make him a good and interesting character? <laughs> How dare they? Uh, so with that in mind i was very excited for hawkeye because i feel like this character is long overdue for that exact treatment that being said guys you've seen the trailer what do you think i i mean it doesn't look bad i mean but then again i haven't seen any of the marvel disney plus shows yet so uh all right scott (laughs) well i had not well, wait a minute. Doc's got what? stuff to say here. Okay. It's not like it, it, seeing the trailer doesn't mean that just because I haven't watched any of the other ones, sorry, you know, middle schoolers are needy and teaching and stuff. But anyway. Yeah, the, the whole teaching here in the last three weeks of the last. I'm sorry. Anyway. Okay, there's mm-hmm. more to it. I taught stuff in this. Anyway. I'm not, I don't need to defend uh-huh. myself to you. You guys. play golf. Uh, yeah. Quit golfing so much. Watch them, watch them damn TV. 
Okay. <laughs> well, anyway. Kids these days going outside and being physically active. You're supposed to sit in front of the couch and watch TV. The hell's wrong with your kids? Yeah. I... I guess I was surprised that they're doing a Disney Plus series and not giving him his own movie. That's fair. Um, because it's like, hey, you know, Black Widow got a movie. And everybody's like, oh, it's about time Black Widow got a movie. And it's like, cool, yeah, you know, yeah. we'll give Hawkeye a series. We'll... Yeah. Uh-huh. Black I... Widow got a movie. Black Widow got, like, two hours. Hawkeye's getting how many hours of character development? I believe it's eight episodes. Yeah. Hawkeye's getting a lot more screen time than than Black Widow did. So this whole this whole thing of movie versus you know uh, uh, series on the streaming service, I think, is a fallacical argument. It is a a faulty syllogism. I'm going to use as many big words as I possibly can here. Uh, Ergo concordantly vis a vis. Concordantly vis a vis. This is now the title of this episode. <laughs> That you know, Hawkeye getting a series is uh, is over and above a movie because, as far as I'm concerned, in nowadays media marketplace, movies are overrated. Uh, there's definitely an argument to be made for that, and I'll say this: um, yes, Black Widow finally got a movie, and it came out about three to five years too late. And, and Black Widow in that movie, yeah. What was that? David Harbour has an awesome movie in that movie. Yes, yeah. and and yeah, and 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 sadly, uh, Natasha Romanoff was the least interesting character in her own movie. Yep. So, yep. Uh, I'm with you though, Jay, because uh, the story we all wanted to see is is freaking what happened in Budapest, and we're never going to get that. So, that being said, and I think perhaps the reason this they went streaming series over a movie, Jay, is I think there's a lot more. There's a lot more uh, track being laid down with this film for the future of the MCU than we got with Black Widow. The Black Widow film was largely self-contained, its own story set kind of in a weird pocket of the MCU that is kind of over and done with um, because it was set between two movies that have already happened, whereas this is current uh, uh, MCU and, and dealing with, you know, Hawkeye, of all the characters who has to tie into the fallout of Endgame, it's Hawkeye. Because that was his, his whole motivation in Endgame was losing his family. We have to deal with that. And that was one thing I was glad to see them address right away in the trailer, is yes, Hawkeye's got his family back, and he's taking him to see Rogers the Musical, which I know Scott's... Oh, fuck yes. Um, and, and they're having <laughs> dinner in New York. <laughs> I, I am I'm I, right now I am so on board with Hawkeye more than anything else just to see Rogers the fucking musical. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only Rogers reason. and Hammer sign. Uh, <laughs> I presume. And I, I I know I'm I'm jumping ahead here in the trailer, but go for it. The I, it's you know, I, I, like I said, it'd be nice if he also got a movie, but I understand the streaming series. It's fine. It is what it is. It gives him more options. Scott's right. It's more character development. But what I really liked is the comedy element of it. At least yes. it, they're making it seem like it's going to be kind of a funny thing because to me, Hawkeye is kind of a snarky, smart ass character. Yes. And I like that snarky, smart assness about him, how he like, he rolls his eyes when uh, Haley Steinfeld's character like breaks in 
and flops on the floor. And then uh, I feel like when he's pulling out arrows and he's like, no, that one's way too dangerous. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's one more dangerous than that. I feel like, and this is why I'm so excited. I, I'm a big Hawkeye fan, the character of Hawkeye. And, and yes, I started reading Hawkeye because I'm a Green Arrow fan and he's the other archer in comics. So I started reading him there. And then it's something me and Kemp bonded on is in our love for Hawkeye. And it's this is a loose adaptation of the storyline from the Matt Fraction comic. where Because Hawkeye in the comics, that's Hawkeye. He's well aware. He's not the most powerful Avenger. He's not the richest Avenger. He's 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 got a very specific narrow skill set, and good on him. He's ridden that skill set all the way to becoming an Avenger. But he's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He's not the best fighter. He's he's not the whole the fighting characteristic of, of Hawkeye is he's kind of the everyman of the Avengers. And that 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 comic line storyline was focusing on here's what Hawkeye is doing when he's not being an Avenger and he's kind of a fuck up he's he, he doesn't always pull off the cool moves he kind of messes up a lot he's kind of his own worst enemy um and I feel like for the first time in almost a decade Jeremy Renner finally gets to play the version of Hawkeye he signed on to play back in 2000 whatever year it was he signed on to play Hawkeye because we we went the ultimate route where he's the family man and and he spends half the first movie brainwashed like i feel like and then and then losing his family and mourning losing his family and like i feel like we're finally the the, the closest we might have gotten is a couple quips in uh civil war where they're like hawkeye clint what are you doing here disappointing my kids um yeah, it's, like that's hawkeye we're finally gonna get to see hawkeye Sorry, I had to get that out. Well, so when it when it comes to this, looking at looking at Hawkeye and Black Widow, and now I, I'm excited for Hawkeye. I like the trailer that I saw. I like the whole Christmas thing. I like like you said, Doc. I like the the comedic aspect being interjected in that. It was really good. Um, but looking at both Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye, so. As far as quote unquote character development, there really isn't. I don't think there's going to be any character development of the character of Hawkeye in this series because we already know who Hawkeye is. We know his family. What we're going to get is a resolution to his character. We're going to get, I think, the end of his story because both Black Widow and Hawkeye are serving to introduce new phase four or phase five characters. Uh, the character of Black Widow's sister, who's, I think, going to be a villain uh, on the their version of the uh, uh, the the Thunderbolts in uh, from Black Widow and Kate Bishop, who's going to be the new Hawkeye going forward. Um, so it's going to be the, so both of these projects are more about introducing new characters going forward than they are about giving us, you know, um, uh, more development of existing characters. Now, I think that these are opposite ends of the same coin in that uh, Black Widow was how we shouldn't do that, and I think Hawkeye is going to be how we should do that. It's going to be the, the, the go-to standard. This is the right way to do it. In hindsight, uh, I think Black Widow would have worked better as a streaming series 
and that they would have been able to, if they had done that, they would have been able to play the Hawkeye series and the Black Widow series kind of off each other a little bit by interlocking them both in Budapest. Like both of both series giving us the between both series giving us the full Budapest story. Now, I know we didn't get that because the Black Widow movie was written long before the Hawkeye series was written. I get that. And, and I'm speaking from a hindsight as 2020 kind of kind of a point of view. But not necessarily. But at the same time, that's that's what I that that's the gist that I get from this. I'm also going to disagree with you a bit there, Scott. I, I don't think we're going to see Clint done at the end of this. Keep in mind, in the comics right now, there are two Hawkeyes. Clint and Kate operate as Hawkeye at the same time. It's not passing the mantle and he's done and she's taking over now they are both hawkeye okay now i'm not saying we're not going to see her character push more to the forefront and and him take more of a back seat i'm not saying that but i don't think clint's just going to be done after this all right we're also going to see something we've never gotten from hawkeye which is any kind of backstory even even in 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 subtle ways, we've gotten a bit of backstory for Natasha. And again, my biggest complaint with that movie is I feel like coming out of Black Black Widow, I didn't know I already didn't know anything I didn't already know. I didn't learn anything I didn't already know. There we go. Yeah. Uh, every it's just it, it's further doubling down on. Yep, we knew that. Yep, we knew that. Yep, we knew that too. Yep. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten other than he was a Shield agent and he's got a wife and kids. We don't know fuck all about the origin of this version of Hawkeye. And this is what I talked about top of the show. What really excites me is knowing who is in this series. We're going to get that story. Because there's one person does not. He does not show up anywhere in the trailer, but he is confirmed to be in the show and he's already been cast by a pretty decent actor. We're going to see swordsman in this show. Scott, I know you know who that is because you're a deep yeah. old school Marvel guy. I love it when they bring the old school characters back. Um, so there's one random shot in the trailer where everyone keeps saying they're at a Renaissance fair sword fighting people. I don't think that's a Renaissance fair. I think that's him tracking down swordsmen. Um, oh, or or him having a first encounter with swordsmen. Exactly. Um I, I, I think we're, again, it's definitely being set up. We're definitely introducing uh, uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye, and I, I, I know somewhere down the line we're going to get that Young Avengers cast, and I know that. But I don't think this is Clint clearing the deck for Kate. I think this is getting to know who Clint is uh, as Kate learns. We're, Kate's going to be our kind of surrogate audience member learning about Clint as we do. And at the end of this, we'll have both Hawkeyes. I like the fact that in this trailer, we finally get uh, Clinton Barton referred to as Hawkeye. And wearing purple. And wearing purple. Exactly. I mean, the closest we've gotten to this point was in the Avengers movie where what's his name pejoratively refers to him as the Hawk. Well, now his his wife calls him Hawkeye um, when when he doesn't notice that there's something going on between Nat and um, uh, Bruce. Oh yeah, yeah. uses it mockingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, it, again, I feel like for the first time we're actually going to get to see Hawkeye. 
there are so many people who've been dumping on this character for so long because he's been so criminally underserved in the movies. I feel like we're finally people are finally going to get to see why so many comic book uh, fans love this character because I feel like we're finally getting actual Clint Barton Hawkeye. I agree. Sorry. Uh, and then I'm just going to go ahead and toss this grenade out there. Kingpin. From Daredevil. Is I mean, it, Daredevil, is it, the Netflix series. Yep. Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, Kingpin. Is it? Confirmed, unconfirmed. Nice. He's not in the trailer. Okay. He's definitely not in the trailer. He is not on IMDb. Uh, but it is strongly rumored. Uh, that he'll be making his his uh, MCU official debut, Vincent D'Onofrio. They're just bringing him back as Kingpin. Well, I I know that we've had the rumors for years that uh, uh, what's his name from Daredevil uh, playing Daredevil, Charlie Cox, Charlie Cox, and everything. Um, well, there was plans to bring him as Daredevil into the MCU once his contractual. Uh, non-comps with Netflix and stuff were 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 null and void, uh, and that's fine because he did great. Vincent D'Onofrio did a beautiful job as Kingpin. I loved him in the role in uh, in in the the Daredevil thing. But I have to say, you know, if they bring him in and they bring Charlie Cox in, they had better bring in uh, Fulton Reed as. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as, Foggy uh, Nelson, Foggy Nelson, because he did a wonderful Foggy Nelson. Yes, he did. They don't if they don't bring in that triumphant, then they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, no, there's lots of stuff in this. We get very brief glimpses of. Uh, we don't see uh, Yelena at all in here, but we know from the end of Black Widow she's being teed up to go after Clint. Um, so, and it's already been announced she'll be in the show. Um, we yeah, see be a very. What was that? She'll be in the post credits. Okay, I think she'll be in more than that. But okay. Um, post credits. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, we get a very, very brief glimpse of Vera Farminga playing um, uh, Kate Bishop's mother, who may or may not be the MCU version of Madame Mask. Um, there, there's tons of stuff not in this trailer, and, and some of that stuff is what has me the most excited because even without all that stuff, like Jay said, this was a fun trailer. I get a very lethal weapon kind of vibe off of this trailer. Yeah. And if that's what it takes to get people who, because again, and this is, this is heavy lifting, man, because for so long, Hawkeye has been just shat upon by the MCU. Uh, You know, their, their idea of character development was give them a Mohawk. Thanks guys. Uh, So if, if we can make this trailer, get someone to be like, Oh yeah, that looks fun. I'll watch that. Then cool. We have already done our job. Uh, but I cannot. I am. I am so pumped for this series. Yeah, it does. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, and and that the 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 recreation of the iconic shot of him and Kate, you know, half back to back, you know, shooting yep. uh, and everything. The inclusion of that in the trailer, yeah, just yeah, it was, but. I mean, can we can we talk about the real jewel of this trailer? Okay, is that one shot of the actual Rogers musical cast on stage? 
Whatever gets you to watch the show, Scott. <laughs> Sorry. So I saw I saw the you know Rogers the musical like the the marquee and everything and yeah. I'm like oh that's cool but then we get the shot of the cast and I'm like that's yeah, awesome we get to actually on see. like 90s the cast it, of Rent does Avengers yeah yes the, yes exactly and I, I I paused it on that that that's the only shot that I paused on <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> not surprised because I wanted to see who all was represented on stage. And we've got, of course, Rogers is front and center, and and framing him left and right. Uh, I think the guy on his his left, uh, stage right, is um, um, uh, supposed to be Fury. I'm not sure. I can't tell who the guy on his right, stage left, is. And then, of course, further stage left, you've got. Uh, I'm sorry, further stage right, you've got uh, uh, Thor, obviously. Uh, further uh, stage left on his right, you've got uh, the guy in green who is obviously Hulk. Uh, there's some random Chitari scattered out there. There's random Chitari scattered yeah. around. You've got it's Iron the, Man. Uh, you got the, yeah, the next level Iron Man stage left. You've got it's Black it's Wars. the end of Avengers one. Yeah, it's the Avengers. Yes, it's exactly. It's it's the the Battle for New York and and everything else like that. But yeah, God, I love that scene. Like that's what I watched the trailer for over and over. I'm like, I want to see Rogers the musical. I kind of want there to be a special feature of just the entire Rogers the musical. Rogers <laughs> the musical. Yes. I would imagine knowing Marvel, uh, they'll at least have one musical number because you know we got Star Spangled Man with a plan from Captain America. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to at least write one song. Uh, it, the conclusion of whatever uh, act it is for Rogers a musical. Uh, which I, I, I imagine will be the springboard for the kids being like, Dad, is that what really happened kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm pumped, man. I think it looks great. I'm super excited for it. <coughs> yeah. Looks real nice, Clark. Hopefully we get my favorite trick arrow because they're doing the issue. There, there, there's an issue of that series where it, it's it, smack dab right in the uh, the, the series. Uh, Kate and Clint are being chased after by the tracksuit mafia dudes and they're they're trying to slow them down. It's the scene where, you know, they're they're picking through arrows in the quiver. No, that's too dangerous. Definitely not that one. Um, is the that exploded. In the comic, the arrow he ends up going with is a pim particle arrow. So he launches it, and you get a close-up shot of the arrowhead, and there's these tiny little look like matchsticks. And then a pim particle goes off, and they come become full-size wow. arrows, and arrows just rain down from the sky because they've been enlarged by the pim particles. I want to see that arrow on screen. That that would be very interesting. We, yeah, we got the cool. pin particle. We, we got the Ant Man arrow special in in Civil War. Give me the pin particle arrow. Ah, <coughs> any <sighs> other trailers we haven't gotten to? I mean, I can see you can ramble about Matrix and Hawkeye all day. All right, then. Well, in that case, let us know what which of these trailers are you most excited about. Uh, is there anything in these trailers we didn't get to that you, you're you're screaming at us? Talk about this. How can you not talk about it? Let us know. What did we forget? Uh, is there a cooler trailer we should have been talking about but didn't get over? I don't think so, but let us know. Um, 
Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for sticking with me. And until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert. Follow the White Rabbit. <laughs>